we've been in a theme this month, uh, and it's really a theme, it's a narrative about transition. Uh, and when you saw Jesus ascend into heaven as, after his resurrection, you see this trigger for transition that took place in the followers of Jesus' life. And so what we're studying this month is really the same effect that happens in our life when Jesus moves uh, to lead us into beautiful places. There is a transitional uh, period that strikes into our life. And, and last week I asked in both services, who feels like they're in a moment of transition in their life? And most people raise their hand. Uh, and it does feel like Christianity is just a constant transitional phase. Like you're never settled. You're always moving. You ever feel this way? And it is actually true. And it's kind of biblical, not kind of biblical. It's totally biblical. And if you look at uh, walking with Jesus, it's not about getting settled. It's about learning to move with him. This is why the symbolism of, of, of being led by Jesus is symbolized in a walk with God. You know, you ask your accountability partner, hey, brother, how's your walk with Jesus? Uh, because it's about movement. It's not about settling and making camp. You guys with me on this? You tracking with me? And even at the transfiguration where Jesus was glorified and amazing things happened there, and they wanted to make camp there, that's not what the design of this thing is when we're following Jesus. So when you catch a glimpse of God's glory, it's not a cue for you to make camp. When you catch a glimpse of God's glory in a moment in your life, it is something for you to celebrate, something for you to recognize and be super excited about, of course, but it is something for you to be encouraged to continue to move forward with Jesus. We shouldn't be looking back on our Christian testimonies as the good old days. Every day is a miracle. Every day is a good old day. Every future moment, every single one of those things is beautiful. And it's what God wants to do in our life. And we should follow it very, very closely. Okay, cool. So what we're going to study today specifically is um, when Jesus ascended into heaven, there was this very real shift that took place in community uh, and we weren't following a person and speaking about a person that existed on earth anymore. But what we had was we had God living in us. And we had some things and some, uh, some things that followed God living in us that many apostles and teachers and letters to the churches began to describe and help us understand this new dynamic. Because it is a new dynamic. Uh, when they were following Jesus versus the Holy Spirit living inside them, it's a new dynamic that the church had to understand what it meant. And one of the great themes and one of the great things to understand is the diversity in all of us. And I'm not talking racial diversity or gender diversity or anything like that, but what I'm talking about is the diversity found in gifts. See, there's a strength and a weakness recognition we ought to have in community. If you look around at each person around you, the person next to you has different gifts for sure. And if it's your spouse, they're probably like maybe the polar opposite gifts. And maybe you've grown to love them and appreciate them. Maybe you're still really incredibly frustrated by them. Uh, either way, I think today will help us understand that when Jesus is living inside of us, it is going to show up different for each one of us because of the diversity of gifts and part that we find in the body of Christ. You tracking with me today? You go, okay, cool, sweet, awesome. You're with me. I, I, I can feel it. Even though you didn't say it out loud, I know you are. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, 4 through 11. 
So this sets up the gifts dynamic, and we're going to read this, and we're going to teach out of it. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, and I like this because right away it's a reference to say, look, this conversation is going on. This topic has been had, and we've discussed it, and there's, there's a degree of clarity that he's going to seek to bring here because this dynamic has already been circulating in community. So you see this now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. Okay, so what are we seeing here is there is a great clarity needed that when we recognize, recognize differences amongst one another, it's not time for us to create a new theology or, or doctrine about the different gods and or creating gods of the prophetic and gods of evangelism and gods of teachers. So when you see difference, it's not time for us to create a new Lord that we serve, but it's time for us to recognize that it's the same God showing up differently in each one of us because God is vast and God is amazing and we have a part to play in the vastness of God. And sometimes we build a Christian faith that wants to have, uh, that wants to focus on impartation and becoming all of the things around us and I love impartation. I love new gifts showing up in my life. And I believe in impartation, lay on hands. But sometimes we overemphasize impartation and we don't often emphasize learning to honor the part someone else has that I don't have. And it can really be an ego trip for us if we're like, you know what? I need that superpower as well. I'm tired of him having it and me not having it. I'm losing people to his church or ministry, so I'm going to really need to get that one. And sometimes we look at other people's gifts and we envy them and we want to add them to our life. And so we respond to an altar call so we can also get that thing. Because we see the benefit it's brought to their life or we see the great thing that it's done in their life. And really what it's doing right there in that moment is it's actually challenging us in our weakness to find humility, not to find a growth specifically in that way. And one, one thing we really got to understand is that when we want to see growth in our life, oftentimes we like the path of growth that leads to the self being more pronounced. But God invites us to a journey of growth that looks like not the self being pronounced, but Jesus being pronounced in our lives. So it's humanity's default that when we want growth, we want us to grow. But oftentimes when Jesus is trying to grow us, it's actually he's trying to grow the spirit of God inside of us to have more room and to have more place in our life. To have a greater priority, to have a greater reverence, to have a greater fear of the Lord. And I believe that this is an important talk in this dynamic of gifts because gifts can be a very tempting thing for us to grow in our pride in. While weaknesses are a thing that invite us to humility. And we see this tension that exists between strength and weaknesses, both in community and then in our personal lives. How many of you have strengths? That's all of you, you have strengths, even if you don't like your strengths, you've got strengths. How many of you have weaknesses? Come on, some of us are weaknesses, we're just found out that we didn't want to confess. We're like, no. <laughs> 
There's a scripture in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 11.30 just to set up the emphasis on weakness as we're talking about gifts. And it says, I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Having the intentionality to lean into weaknesses is incredibly important in the context of talking about our gifts and or our strengths or the things that we possess that don't require a humble walk with Jesus for us to shine in. Romans says it really well. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, which means you get to keep your gifts even if you turn your back on God. It means that a life even without repentance can still be and still maintains the gifts that it was given at birth, that it was given when it first was created in the womb and was knit in the womb. It was the dynamic that Jesus authored in our life as a gift that he's not going to take back. So we see this dynamic and we have this understanding that all of a sudden, like, okay, uh, weaknesses and gifts, we've got to understand the way they, they change and challenge us or the way they lead and guide us. And gifts are going to be very misleading if you believe gifts are going to lead you to grow in humility. Gifts are something that we are actually just very good at without, honestly, it feels like sometimes without trying. Like, I don't have to try and have courage. Like, it's something that's just been ingrained in me. It's a gift in me to have this, this fortitude to, to walk right into the midst of battle. You know, call it a gift of faith if you want, but I just walk into this thing 10 to 1, and I'm like, I think I got this. And others are like, bro, that's insane. You don't actually got this. And I'm like, no, are you sure? I think I might have this. And, and it takes me a long time to realize that I'm going to lose. Even 20 minutes le- or 20 seconds left in a game, we're down by 20. I'm still diving for the ball. I'm still playing full court defense. And all my teammates are like, bro, like, give it up, man. It's over. But I don't have to try to put this on. I don't have to try and act like somebody else. This is something that was ingrained in me as as God designed me. He designed me to be a fighter. He designed me to be somebody that has strength to fight. What I do have to lean into God on and lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him is I actually got to lean on him when it's time not to fight. When it's time to surrender and to yield, I'm like, I don't have those tools. I don't possess any of that natural ability. Whoa, what does that mean? Yield, submit, and or surrender? That doesn't even exist in my language. And it's something that I have to really lean into Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I need to find humility because I understand that my gift is going to have me fight right now, but your way is the highest way. So sometimes we're going to walk in our weaknesses with Jesus, and sometimes our gifts are going to make a way for us and be a benefit to community. But we must, we must be very discerning and sensitive to what God is doing in our life because it will be the key for us to grow in our weakness as well as be a service to people in our gifts. Because did you know that your gifts are actually for community? The things that God has put inside of you and he's ingrained inside of you, if you look at it, it says we have varieties of gifts of the same spirit, varieties of service. 
varieties of service, which means when you walk into this church service and to this community or even a home group, you see people of, of different gift mixes and service. Some have a gift of hospitality. You ever walk in somebody's home and you just feel at home right away? And you're like, this is amazing. And you have like water in your hand somehow already. You know what I'm talking about? And you don't even know what happened. I don't really have that like particular gift of hospitality. When somebody walks in my house, I'm like, hey man, make yourself at home. Fridge is over there, pantry's over there. And then for the next 12 hours, that's it. <laughs> that's it. So like when youth would come over, I'm like, yo man, come on over, man. And they're like, it gets to be dinner time. And they're like, man, I'm kind of hungry. You got food? I'm like, I don't know, check the fridge. And they look in there and they're like, man, there's nothing in here. I go, all right, <laughs> order some pizza. The address is 10235 Blue Water Peak Avenue. You know what I mean? Like, I'll pitch in five. <laughs> I got five on that. In verse seven, it says, yeah, Little Caesars, that goes a long way. Verse 7, it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Remember what I said? This thing is for community. Oftentimes, we think the manifestation of the Spirit is so that we can feel the goosebumps. It's for the common good. Why does Holy Spirit show up in my life and fill me? It's for all of your benefit. He's in me and he's overflowing. Press down, shaking together, overflowing. The overflow dynamic was meant for the benefit of everyone around us. And sometimes this is why people come into church and leave church still starving for edification. Because we haven't learned to allow God to overflow in our life. And sometimes the caps in our life come because we want to keep everything God's giving to us. So we put a cap on that thing so it doesn't spill. We don't want to lose any of this stuff we got, so we put a tight cap on the thing to keep it, to control it, to keep it safe, to keep it secret. And all of a sudden, the dynamic in our life was meant to be an overflowing dynamic. Some of us got to learn to actually get a little sloppy with this thing. Don't control everything God's trying to pour out in your life. He's going to pour that thing out. Let it overflow. And if it's fruit punch and it makes your hands sticky, that's all good. That means community got some fruit punch. Some people around you are thirsty and they're hungry, and it's because you put a cap on what God was trying to do in your life. Some homes around us are thirsty and hungry because God was meant to overflow out of our homes out of our places of prayer, sometimes we got to recognize the lack around us is because we didn't want to overflow. We wanted to put a cap on it to keep it safe. He pours out, he manifests his spirit in us for the common good. And it says in verse eight, for to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one in the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is amazing to me because it literally is saying like, look, God's in charge, God distributes, and God determines who gets what. 
Have you ever been envious of the gifts you don't have and not grateful for the gifts you have? You might not realize it, but that's actually a relational issue between you and God because God's the one who apportioned it to all of us. So if you don't like what you have, bring it up with the author. And when you bring it up with him, I encourage you bring it up in a way with fear and trembling, with the fear of God understanding that everything he does is brilliant. Everything he does is with a purpose that we don't even see or understand. And that's why the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on that ingratitude. Don't lean on that grief. Don't lean on that gruffy attitude. And you have. Don't lean on that thing. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. So I, I, I give to and I, I lean on the knowledge of God. I acknowledge God. What is your knowledge of me and the people around me? Why did you make me the way I am? I was talking to a, I was talking to a pastor, Barry Sappington out of San Diego. He's one of the coolest pastors I've ever met. I'm going to be honest. We all, I, I want to be as cool as him one day. He's got a soul patch. And he just retired, and he went through all these things, and he texted me out of nowhere. He's like, hey, man, how's it going? And I told him, I told him, hey, things are going pretty good. And, and he's like, oh, cool. I asked him how he's doing. He's like, oh, man, pretty good. Had a heart attack, and I resigned. And I was like, what? It's just like out of nowhere he tells me this. And then so I was like, man, we got a FaceTime. You can't text me that and not have a follow-up. That was like a whammy of a text, and I was driving, so I couldn't really do much. I was like, whoa. And anyways, we start connecting, and, and he's encouraging me even in this moment. And it's, it's all a good thing. He was, uh, he's in his, his later 50s, I believe. And so, so this really cool thing happened uh, in a church and the way he left it. It was all good stuff. And, and, uh, and he's encouraging me in this thing, and he's like, He's bringing these things out of me, right? As he's edifying, he's encouraging me. He has this gift for this, very much Barnabas-like. And, and he's, seeing, he's saying these things to me, and all of a sudden he's like, hey, you know what it is? Is that you're a reformer. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. You ever have somebody tell you something, and then you kind of knew it, but then when they said it, you had waves of realizing how accurate it was? And I was like, whoa, look at that. Yeah, like... That is how God designed me. I, I love change. I love changing. I love the things that we're a part of changing. Uh, if you've ever worked in the workplace with me, uh, like I'll change it and I'll move tables around, I'll move offices around, and then about a month or two goes by and I'm itching to change it again. Uh, a week, I think a week into being the pastor here, I changed the orientation of the room from there to here. A week into pastoring. That's a horrible idea. I'm surprised people stayed and liked me. It was a terrible idea to just change that kind of a thing on everybody all of a sudden. Uh, but it's very much like me, right? I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, I like the idea of somebody walking in and being immersed into the dynamic from the back to the front so that when they walk in, they feel more, they feel safer so that we don't all whoosh. When somebody would walk in like 30 minutes late, everyone would look. You guys remember this? When, we, when it was this orientation? Because it was right in your periphery. So everyone was like, what's up, man? <laughs> and they're like, oh. <laughs> So I, so there's this, and I, and I love to reform. I love to change. I love, and I love whatever God is changing and authoring. It's like, this is so cool, God. So Romans 12, 2 is my favorite scripture. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
And this is very much apparently a reformer's favorite scripture because it's all about being reformed. It's all about being transformed. It's all about being like, okay, cool, that was cool. Let's wipe it and let's do it over. Let's do it different. God, what are you doing? And there's always been this gift and this dynamic inside of me to pursue those things of change with boldness and courage. But come to find out, not everyone's a reformer. (laughs) Come to find out, there's moments and times where my gift is an actual offense to those that don't feel safe in change. And there's this real interesting place you begin to find that I could stand on this place of defending and justifying my gift. I'm a reformer and this is what God's doing, so if you don't like it, there's the door. (laughs) And you can get very like puffy-chested, arrogant, on your gifts, and you can say, my gift is awesome. And if you don't like it, I don't like you either. And it's just the wrong approach because, because when God calls us to walk with him, it's not just in our gifts. It's also in our weaknesses. So if you want to walk on one leg following God, only try and walk with God on your, weak, or on your gifts and strengths. But if you want to walk in holiness, which is the totality of your character and the totality of your life, you will walk not only in your gifts, but you will also walk with God in your weaknesses. Which if we're applying it to a reformer's mindset, it means take care of the lives you move things around in. Take care of the lawn that you moved something in or on. Take care of the person whose cheese you want to move. And this is an interesting dynamic. It's one that I wouldn't have learned or seen if I didn't lean into God with humility and say, God, what's happening here? It's the right idea, but someone's really upset with me. Or a lot of people are really upset with me. Or my wife is upset with me. What is this thing that's happening? And all of a sudden you begin to realize that it's not about just having your gifts be recognized and affirmed, but it's about loving people. And if you're loving people, it means that you want to be aware of the way your gift shows up in really excellent ways. And you want to be aware of the way your strength shows up in a way that isn't necessarily the best. And full maturity looks like recognizing that what God put in you as a gift, humility and weakness will allow to be the greatest benefit to community. Does this make sense? Meekness is actually, uh, if you really look into it, it's taming the lion within. So there's this poor in spirit, there's this meekness, there's this dynamic of walking with God that we, when we do it, With a fear of God, it gives appropriate place to our gifts. You guys tracking with me? Honestly, what it really encourages us to do is to have empathy and compassion to understand the priority of others in the same way you understand your own priorities. When you look at Jesus, I believe you see a really great leader with different types of people. You see the way he approached the Pharisees and Sadducees. You see the way he approached the adulterous woman. You see the approach he had with tax collectors, with people that were on the periphery of his ministry. You see the way he approached people that betrayed him. 
you see this dynamic with Jesus where he had a diversity of approach. And when we see Jesus ascend into heaven, we hit this transitional place, which shouldn't only inform us about how we are to be different, but it should also inform us of how we are to relate and to approach others around us differently. The immature Christian is the one who hasn't learned to relate to the other parts well. Tribalism thinking, confirmation bias, uh, even having a subjective preference of your own gift mix, these are places that need to be matured in us. And to say it really simply, the Bible talks about the fivefold ministries. If you look in Ephesians 4, and it says, it says the fivefold apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. And it says these fivefold ministry, and it speaks to the different roles and dynamics that each one of us have and the way we express these parts differently. So let's jump to that place in Ephesians 4 and let's read on this because it's, I believe, really powerful. Ephesians 4, and it goes 7 through 16. We're going to dabble in there a little bit. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led hosts of captives and he gave gifts to men. Isn't that cool? Jesus sends, give gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. That he might fill all things. If you want to know what the purpose of God ascending into heaven is, it's so that he can accomplish this thing that he couldn't accomplish in human form on earth, which is to fill all things. Isn't that exciting? So I have partial gift expression, but I have all of God living inside of me. You have all of God living inside of you. Like you don't just have the part of God living inside of you that is specifically designed and tailored to your gifts. So you don't have just like one fifth Jesus living inside of you. You have all of Jesus living inside of you, which is what allows us to recognize the things that are gifts in others that are not gifts in us and say, that's actually Jesus too. That's actually Jesus too, because Jesus lives inside of me. So I can actually recognize that that also is Jesus. Isn't that exciting? You have all of God living inside of you. It was actually his design purpose in ascending. So when you're in a transitional place, what is the purpose of transition? It's so that you can be filled with all of God, not just in the literal idea that God fills all of us, but in the, also the understanding of your mind. For you to actually come to realize what it means that God is all inside of you. This is a big deal. This is very different from cognitive Christianity or mental-driven Christianity. This is very different. This is the Christianity that is spirit-led. That when God is living inside of you, the possibilities are so endless for you, which means that you have a navigator and a narrator in your life that knows more than you do. This is important because when you find yourself in a situation transitionally where you're going from one place to another place you've never been before 
You don't need to have the experience in order for you to act godly because God is living inside of you and he could literally lead you to act like him in a place you've never been before. Isn't that cool? You don't have the knowledge of God in that particular way, but you have God living inside of you who could tell you in a moment. Boom, this is it right here. You know, if you're looking for a pragmatic example in scripture, Israelites, cloud by day, fire by night. This is symbolic, literal symbolism in the word that took place for us to understand spiritually what's happening in our life. As you're walking about your day and you're in the desert place, which is the giant symbol of transition. The desert is a great big story of transition. Did you know that? And they were in it a really long time. A really, really long time. And some of us are in transition for a really long time. And it's because there are tests that take place in transition, which is, will you trust God? Will you trust God that he will lead you and provide for you every day and only for that day? So I'm in transition in my life. There is very practical things that have taken place in my life that have led to, to transition uh, ICLV launched the mountain three years ago. Uh, I was a pastor at ICLV, uh, led the youth group. That was awesome transition out of that to be a, a pastor of the full range of the thing because I grew to really love all of community, every age, every dynamic. And all of a sudden, I, I uh, you know, through a series of events, and, and my wife and I both decided together uh, that we were going to pastor this thing together because uh, we wanted to decide together. And actually, this church didn't have a technical pastor for like two weeks because I told everybody, hey, look, um, I got to make sure my wife and I are together. So I don't want her to say yes because I said yes, because you don't want a pastor's wife that said yes only because the pastor did. You just, you just don't. She's not going to be happy. <laughs> Trust me. And when she's not happy, eventually I won't be happy. And then, and then she'll be mad at me, and then I'll be mad at you because I came because of you. Does this make sense? Anyways, it's a rabbit trail. We're not there because we both said yes together. And so we said yes together, and that was about three years ago. Palm Sunday is our anniversary every year, uh, which is awesome. And uh, now we're in this place where last October, ICLV launched the mountain. We had grown to a place of independence is what they say is what others around me said. And um, it's, if I'm going to be honest, really hard transition. And not for the ways that you, you might, I mean, like when you look around, like we've been growing and busting at the seams and, and, and like the, the ideas of what a pastor would want in community, growing numerically, growing in terms of quality, like we have actual growth in spirit and in emotion and in mind. How many of you feel like you're growing here? Raise your hand even if you don't, but uh, no. <laughs> Just, just kidding. <laughs> Please raise. I'll give you five dollars. <laughs> but in all of like the, the 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 tangibles of what a pastor would want in community, they're happening here. It's like a dream come true. Sometimes I, I pinch myself. Like this is such a dream come true to be in a community that's this amazing. Like it really is amazing, you guys. Uh, and it's extraordinary, and I didn't realize before I pastored full church how much God actually designed me to do this. So that's pretty exciting and pretty cool. Um, and, uh, but, you know, there, there's a dynamic. You know, my dad pastors uh, the church that launched us, uh, and they, they started this guy here. 
Uh, and the transition has been a really, really tumultuous one. It's been challenging on a relational level. And this whole dynamic here of what we're talking about and what God is doing in our community is coming because there's this very real thing taking place on a pragmatic level, but also a spiritual level in this community, which is this building's being sold. So in January of the upcoming year, 2022, we will be moving to a new, new church location. Uh, and there's a lot of amazing things in this pressured tank of a moment where diamonds are coming out in vision, which is why we're doing a town hall, and also to discuss it because, you know, people have been connected. Like, this city is like a, a big city, but it's also like a really small church city. You know what I'm talking about? So, like, uh, you, you, my, the ICOV's still there. We're still here. And, and, like, God wants to bless us both and all those things. And so... So you have this dynamic where people have experienced both communities and both cultures and both narratives. And so they have some questions, which is fair, which is great. And, and so we're going to talk about and give opportunity to discuss. Because, look, here's the thing that I really, really buy into always. Is that man, men have plan, plans. Like men and women have plans. Humanity have plans, right? And I had a plan. And the plan went completely out the window when the transition was triggered. My plan was to pastor the local church of ICOV at large uh, and to embrace both in all communities. And, and that was my plan in my head. I was like, okay, God, I think I figured this out. You know what I mean? And then like, dude, thing on its head, spoof, spun right out, completely got cut off and completely didn't take place. And it's crazy because like two years ago, I drove into the parking lot of the Summerlin campus. At that time, it was the Summerlin campus, and now it's ICOV. But I drove into the parking lot of ICOV on uh, 8100 Westcliff, uh, where I grew up. Uh, and all of a sudden, I drive into this thing, and this church right here was right on the precipice of going to two services, which was in the first year. And I know this is a little church history on this specific church, and it, it's for a reason. So stick with me. I promise this is going to matter. So all of a sudden, like, we're going to two services, guys. I was like a butterfly. You know what I'm talking about? I think it's like Bugs Life. It's like, I'm a butterfly. <laughs> I'm a beautiful butterfly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The caterpillar. <laughs> Anyways, I have kids. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I was like, oh, I'm happy. I'm free. This is awesome. This community is amazing. We're going to two services. God spoke double portion over us. And all of a sudden, it just doubled. Like, this is crazy. Wow. And in the midst of my, like, euphoric excitement, I drive into the Summerlin parking lot. And God's like, pastor them too. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really challenging. Uh, I don't think they want that. Also, I got other, I'm busy. <laughs> right? And you got all these things. And I, I kind of like, I've had enough conversations with God at this point. I don't do the whole conversation, which is like, but God, but God, but God. You know what I'm talking about? I know I can feel them all coming. And I'm like, I know, I know what all of the answers are to all of this. And I know I'm just going to go through a dying period for the next month. So let's do it. You know what I mean? Let's skip to the chase and let's just die. <laughs> That's how I am. I'm like, ah. <laughs> okay, so then all of a sudden what takes place is that, you know, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. COVID hits last year, right? And whoa, that was crazy. Like we, a week before the shutdown, we were getting calls from like, everyone at that point knew someone in the FBI or CIA. Did you guys <laughs> experience this? 
Everyone was connected to some kind of government dude somewhere. He's like, dude, we're on the street. Trump's doing martial law. And you're like, what? Martial law? And so we're like, okay, well, we think we need to get ready. We need to do this thing and whatever. We don't know. And sometimes I regret shutting down altogether. Sometimes I'm not sure. I don't know. Who cares? We're here now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's just run to Jesus. So all of a sudden, like, all, uh, like crisis hits, right? And, like, I remember in February... Uh, before COVID, uh, my dad comes to me and he's like, hey, I think we should, we should launch you guys out. You know, things are t- tough and challenging and I, I don't want this thing to pull you into it and take you down and stuff. I was like, dude, we're in it together. Let's do this. If the ship go, goes down, let's go down together. God will take care of us. It's all good. And so like, that's, that's the kind of premise of this whole thing. And I'm like, I would always say this thing that God told me, like, I just feel called to pastor them too and, and pastor this community too, whatever that looks like. I don't really care. I just, you know, it's what God told me. So my most important thing is to be obedient to God. And so all of a sudden, I, why? Because I asked myself why on all these things, right? And I think this is the important thing to understand. Because for our community, it matters. For us as individual, it matters, right? Like when we hear from God, Be obedient no matter what the price is. I believe in this still to this day. I believe that God's word is the most beautiful thing in my life, both his spoken word and the spirit of God speaking to me and also his written word. I believe these things are paramount in my life, should take the top place of priority, and they should shape all of my behavior, which means that my weaknesses and gifts should not shape my walk. Jesus and his words should shape my walk. And this matters because your gifts will only allow you to walk like Jesus in certain ways. But Jesus' word in your life, his calling to say, walk with me, will lead you to walk in all of the things of Jesus, in all of the things of his character, in all of the things of his anointing for your life. And so all of a sudden I ask myself sometimes why. Like, Jesus, why did you say that to me when I drove into that parking lot? And, uh, and sometimes I, I look back on the, the whole COVID dynamic and I began to lead the, the ministries and teams on both campuses. We set up online church purely stuff and began to lead all this stuff and do all these fun things. And it was really exciting. And it didn't turn out and end the way I wanted it to. But in the time that we championed that community and this community championed that community, you may not realize it, but we did in a lot of ways, including time, energy, and money, We did something that I believe God actually authored and wanted. And it's beyond my understanding. It really is beyond my understanding why God does some of the things or calls us to do some of the things that he calls us to do. But I know this for sure, that when the Israelites were called out of Egypt and he led them the way he led them, which at one point, if you go back and study it again, he actually took them a less direct way because it says in the Bible that if he had taken them the direct way, they would have ran into a particular army and a particular power and they weren't ready for it. So I don't know all of the things that God is doing in your life, in my life, as he's calling us and he's telling us to walk with him. And sometimes it looks like it's really indirect. And sometimes it looks like I'm actually kind of hungry, God. And that manna in the morning, like it's nine o'clock at night and I'm ready for a midnight snack and my kids ate all the manna. So I'm ready for maybe a little something, something. So tomorrow I think I'm going to save so that I have something for the next day as well, just in case you oversleep. 
And this dynamic with God, it really does lend to, in a place of transition, our faith is tested so that it can grow. Our faith is tested so it can grow. You're going to want to access faith through understanding. It's not going to be your vehicle for faith to grow. God will grow your faith as you learn to trust him. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. It's such a beautiful invitation to humility. Why does it say lean not on your own understanding? It says it because we love to lean on our own understanding. We do the smooth criminal Michael Jackson lean on that thing. We're all about it. We're fully forward. We make shoes specially designed to lean even better into ourselves. And I really believe like there's like, and honestly, so I've been experiencing this thing as a pastor here at the mountain. And I've been experiencing it in a lot of ways in a very, uh, in a very disconnected way from you, the community. Um, And it's honestly felt weird at a lot of different times because I'm a very like vulnerable, like who I am here is like, that's what you got. You know what I mean? There's not a whole lot of like secret to me. There's not a whole lot like, discreet about me. I'm pretty much an open book. And so it's been a really weird dynamic to be in this transitional place where I I didn't know up from down on some of the things. And and I was like, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to focus on you. And I'm going to focus on what you're doing. And sometimes I didn't know exactly what that looked like as it related to my future or our future. And and it's such a crazy place to be a, a pastor of something while you don't have the knowledge necessary to put yourself at ease and everyone around you at ease. And when all you got is, I just kind of trust God right now. Well, where are we going? To be honest with you, we don't have a place yet. And I'm like, what? that's kind of crazy. And when I think about it, I'm like, well, well, if we're really studying the Bible and we're really trusting God, he'll build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So I don't know why it's happening like this. I really don't. I don't know why transitions happen the way they do. I I really don't. But I do know that the recipe for growth in Jesus in these times is to learn to live with God in the places you feel like you are the most vulnerable, you are the weakest, and you don't like yourself or anybody else. These are the beautiful places of growth that God does in us. You have gifts, yes. But I'm telling you right now, in a transitional place, it's not about your gifts having the victory. It's just not. It's actually about you learning to only have enough for the day. It's actually about you learning to just follow a cloud and you might feel like a total bozo. Just like, and if it stops, you gotta stop. Even if you could see something over there and you're like, I think that's the way. Like the the reality of the situation is, is that in a transition place, we learn deep trust for God. Because it says this, that in our most panicky moments, we trust God more than we fear men. This is what's happening in your transition and my transition is we trust God more than we fear anything else. It may feel like a narrow place and it's because you have a new thing that God is creating in you. 
And it's important that you lean into God continually, time and time again. God, what are you saying? What are you doing in my weaknesses? How are you creating and cultivating? I have another scripture on it, and then we'll finish. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That's so cool. That's so cool that God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Man, I would love for God to be perfected in this community. So let's invite him to do it in our weaknesses. Let's allow him to do it on the tapestry of our weaknesses. Not just use my gifts for the benefit of community, but also do it in my weaknesses too, God. Do it in the places that make me squirm. <laughs> you ever have places that make you squirm? So, so here, look. The disciples are in a boat in a storm. Do you remember what Jesus confronted them for? Besides just their fear? Their lack of faith. Guys, when the storm is more real to us than Jesus in the boat, we have a lack of faith. We just do. Don't beat yourself up and condemn yourself. Go, hey, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Grow my faith. Grow my confidence in you. Grow my trust in you, Jesus. Like right now, give me a greater faith in you than I've ever had before. We don't walk by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. So I'm walking with you, Jesus, even though I'm like, whoa, 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 this is super unknown. 